Hello, I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, a child psychologist, entrepreneur, and mum with a passion for problem solving and family adventures. Join me each week for practical tips and on-air consultations with the smartest, kindest parents and their incredible kids. Find answers faster, do things differently, and take your family further. This is impressive. This episode is sponsored by brightchild.com. Now let's get started. This is episode four of Impressive and I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly O'Brien. Thanks for joining us this week as we speak to Amanda Berlin, who is a New York-based PR and local media expert and also the host of Empowered Publicity, a weekly podcast that I highly recommend. And Amanda's also a speaker. She does a lot of things. Uh, I saw her speaking last week in LA at the Biz Chicks Live conference, which was a really good opportunity for female entrepreneurs from all around the world to get together and talk about their businesses and share resources. So that was amazing. And I'm really happy to say that I'll be introducing a bunch of new podcast guests coming up because they're all high achieving individuals that are doing things in so many departments, like the way that growing their businesses and managing their families and still open to asking for help when it comes to little parenting issues and doing that, you know, online in a podcast. It just, it's just humbling. And I'm so thankful to be part of that Biz Chicks Live community. So I look forward to more of those online consultations coming up soon. If you'd like to find out more about the Impressive Podcast, you're welcome to go to brightchild.com. That's B-R-I-T-E child.com forward slash impressive to find out about some previous episodes or click the subscribe button on your podcast app and the episode will pop up each week on a Monday in Australia. All right, so now it's time to listen to Amanda Berlin as she digs into who she is and what she's done in terms of her business and then on to some of those parenting challenges around managing a five-year-old and their frustrations. I hope you enjoy. This is Impressive. I'm so thrilled for the opportunity to talk to you and I think that it's interesting because my business and my daughter were kind of born at the same time. So they're very much, you know, the, the story of my business is very much interwoven with the story of my parenting and my daughter. So I, um, I worked for 12 years in the New York City uh, publicity agency world, in the PR world. I, to make a long story short, I felt like my soul was dying as I was helping companies like pharmaceutical companies and consumer product companies just be louder than their competition. You know, these were like major companies in the U.S. here from, you know, Pfizer in the pharmaceutical world to Brawny uh, and Dove in the consumer product world. And, um, you know, some of them had great messages and it was a joy to bring their message to wider audiences, but some of them I felt misaligned with. And certainly um, in retrospect, I realized that um, it wasn't actually so much that I felt misaligned in the work. It was that I felt misaligned in the corporate culture. And I was working in a company that just did not have good values and good corporate culture. So Um, morale was really low and I was determined when I actually got released from that job, which I, you know, use as the term for when I got let go because 
the company eventually went out of business that I, I felt at the time that I didn't want to do anything related to uh, communications or PR. I just wanted to go and do something that felt more of service to the world. So for about a year in 2012 to 2013, I kind of was searching around for what my business was going to be. All the while, I, uh, I had gotten married in 2011. And uh, for the entire time that I was married, I was the breadwinner for our family. So it wasn't like a situation where Oh, uh, someone actually at the gym recently asked me what I did. And I told her that I had my own business and she was like, Oh, well, it's so great that you probably have a, a husband who helps you, you know, like, you know, allows you to do that or something like that. And I was like, actually, no, <laughs> it's very important to me that it's clear that I created this on my own and I had to figure out how to make ends meet on my own. So for the first year, um, I kind of was trying different things and bringing, uh, making ends meet by bringing in some freelance work in the communications world. But it was always sort of begrudgingly, like I didn't really want to be doing it. And I was, I really wanted to be doing, uh, I pursued a life coaching certification and I pursued some fitness certifications. I really wanted to, I thought I wanted to be in that world. And then in 2013, in February of 2013, I got pregnant and I realized being in the position that I was in as the breadwinner of our family, like I really have to figure out what I'm doing here. So I, um, I approached an organization that uh, does some holistic learning and, you know, they hold meditation classes and coaching certifications and nutrition work and all these kinds of classes, like an educational institution that I really believed in, in New York city. And I said, kind of, you know, again, like with this chip on my shoulder, like, this is what I used to do in my old life. I know I could help you guys. What do you think? Cause I just knew I needed work. And the executive director of the um of this of the of the institution said to me uh yeah sounds good here's a proposal you know here's a request for a proposal and so as i was putting together the request for a proposal it really dawned on me like a major light bulb moment or anvil to the head that i really liked doing the work of communications for entities that i really believed in like i felt very energized by it so I had the realization that I could create a business around translating my uh, expertise that I had earned from like my 10,000 hours, as Malcolm Gladwell would put it, in the corporate world into a service that I could bring to entrepreneurs and business owners and nonprofits that I really believed in. And it was right at that time, I remember getting that, getting that contract with that organization and going in and talking to the executive director and telling her that I was five months pregnant and that I don't intend to, you know, I don't intend to stop working, but I might need to take a little break in order to give birth. <laughs> so that was, so it really was at that same moment that, um, that I found like found quote unquote, my business that I, uh, found out that I was going to be a mother as well. And 
um, just kind of fast forwarding to October of that year when I gave birth, I really didn't, and this will maybe kind of like play into some of the other things that we talk about. I didn't really get to take maternity leave or have, uh, have a lot of, you know, that nesting time with my daughter because I had the responsibility of supporting us as well. So those early year, that first year was really the hardest year of my life. 2014, I said that to my mom recently, that was the hardest year of my life. So yeah, so that's kind of my business. Now I, I work full time with entrepreneurs, helping them to figure out what visibility is going to work for them, what kind of publicity, what kind of collaborations, what partnerships, what efforts are going to get them in front of the people that are going to buy from them and that are going to be their evangelists. Thank you so much for that introduction. And also yeah. I'm going to link in the show notes to our episode we did when you were doing on-air coaching for me not so long yes. ago and just saying, get that that podcast out there, Kimberly, just do it. So yeah, that was really motivational and it, it helped to birth the podcast. Um, I'm really interested also in the way that you birthed your daughter and your business at the same time. How did you manage to find the balance when you had two really important competing demands in that first year? Was it 2014? Yes. Um, it was really hard. It was really hard. I don't think I, I don't, it was, um, it was hard on so many levels. I felt like I wasn't showing up for either of those tasks to my greatest capacity. So there was, you know, immediate guilt associated with motherhood and because I felt like I wasn't doing a good enough job. I felt like I didn't fit in with any of the other moms because I went to a mom, you know, I went to like a new moms group and they were all talking about like you know, reflux and breastfeeding. And I was like drowning in like, I have to work. I have to make the money. My husband is lying on the couch. I have to be the mother. I have to be the breadwinner. Like I had my, I felt like my, the pressures on me were so much different than than other mothers that I was coming into contact with. And I didn't fit in with the working moms because I had a flexible schedule and I didn't fit in with the stay at home moms because I had all of these other pressures. So it was very isolating. And uh, that first year, I just, I was like, just drowning. Yeah, I can relate in that we actually birthed um, Quirky Kid the same year as our first daughter was born. And going to those um, mothers groups or um, play groups, I used to also find kind of, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't actually focus on where I was at. I was more thinking I've got things to do at home. I've got things to do with work. So yeah, it, it is a tricky time for um, entrepreneurs when they're, you know, have two important jobs to do, but you found a way through and your business is now thriving. Can you tell us a little bit more about your five-year-old and what's happening with her? She's maybe just started school this year. Yeah. And what's her name? Yes. So her birthday is in late October. So here in the States, in New Jersey, she actually just missed the cutoff for kindergarten. So she is in her First in her first year at the public school in pre-K, 
which um, is a great blessing because not every district in our state has a public pre-K, a full-time public pre-K. So it's really a great opportunity to have her in the public school and have her in the, you know, in the age group that she needs to be in. She is, so her dad and I have been separated since she, I guess for about a year and a half now. And uh, prior to that, we had kind of separated on and off several times. So I don't know if she even remembers us ever living together. Um, it does, to me, even seem like a long time ago that we had lived together last. So, you know, I'm certain that there are, actually, I, I'm curious as to what the impact of that is or will be on her. And, but for the moment, she seems happy. She seems happy with the both of us. She seems to prefer her dad, <laughs> I think, because there's more YouTube watching and more candy eating at his house. <laughs> but, um, and I, I was talking to a friend earlier today about how she prefers him and and my friend sort of was saying, you know, I was kind of making jokes about it. And she was like, I recognize you're using humor to get through this, but it must be challenging. And I think it really does play into how I felt in the beginning, how I felt like just like I was drowning that first year and that I didn't really like I, I link it all back to that, that I, you know, didn't do a good job in the beginning and I was drowning and I didn't connect with her in the way that we should have and, and all of this. So, you know, I think there's a lot of like lingering questions for me, but all in all, all the reports I get on her, you know, from people who meet her and, you know, all the feedback I get is all positive. She's happy and, and, you know, gets along with others and befriends the smallest kid in her class so that she can be the big kid and be the helper. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, just that idea of inconsistent parenting styles where one's doing, you know, one thing and the other is doing the other. It can be so hard to find the balance when there's two separate households, but kids are usually well at adapting to mum's rules and dad's rules and it can just be those little transitions, um, you know, two or three days sometimes as they adjust to the new rules in the in the other household. But I also hear that there's, you know, you're still kind of carrying some guilt from that very first year around, oh, maybe I didn't spend enough time with her or I haven't bonded with her. But I just I just want to reassure her, reassure you that I think that it, where she is right now, where there's like no conflict um, in the household and that you've moved on to a arrangement, which means that she gets to see both parents. It sounds like the optimal arrangement, you know? So I Thank don't you. think, yeah, I don't think she'd be like holding on to what happened when she was less than 12 months old. Right. <laughs> Thank you. That's good to hear. Yeah. Now let's talk about like the optimal arrangements when it comes to separation. Have you managed to live in the same suburb or do you do um, drop-offs and pick-ups at the school? How do you kind of manage the access arrangements? Um, so we actually live on the same street. Ah, perfect. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So just about seven houses down on the same side of the street. So it's very convenient 
incidentally, right now it's, you know, it's evening in New York and um, on a night where I would typically have her. So I actually picked her up from school and her dad came and picked her up to have dinner with him while I do this interview. So we're very amicable and we try to help each other out. Um, you know, there's obviously little things between the two of us and the way that we handle these interactions that I would love to see tweaked a little bit, but, but by and large, I think it's pretty functional. Yes. Have you got any tips for other parents um, going through similar situations in terms of how to create that scenario where you manage to live on the same street and have, you know, like a, a really good working relationship? What do you think would be your, you know, top takeaway from that experience and how can you, yeah, what would you suggest that might be the, the most important ingredient? That's a really good question. Um, and the, it's really the first time that I have maybe even been, you know, far enough away from it to feel like I could even offer any kind of advice. So I thank you for the opportunity to reflect on that. I would say so for me, what was really important to me was to be certain that I was making the right choice in separating. And so I maybe stayed in it for a little bit longer than I should have, but it was more in deference to my certainty than it was trying to hold on to something that I knew wasn't going to work. But I've seen, so I guess the takeaway from that is I've seen people do it a different way, which is staying in the relationship and just being passive aggressive and mean <laughs> to the other person so that they would be the one to end it so that they would get so fed up that you wouldn't have to do the hard work of actually ending it and, you know, pushing them away through passive aggression and, and just uh, incivility. And I think that because I really you know, I don't pretend that I did it perfectly because I think I could have been stronger in the beginning or trusted myself more to just cut it off earlier. But I was pretty dedicated to not being mean to each other and uh, handling it with respect and, um, and civility above all. And, you know, conversations inevitably devolve from time to time. But um, I think just remembering that I guess one of my guiding principles in life and just in general is like, I want to walk away from every, as many interactions as possible, feeling proud of myself. And I don't want to look back and be like, man, I was a real whatever <laughs> in that conversation. And uh, sometimes that definitely leads me to hold things in when maybe I shouldn't or have too much, give someone too much latitude or whatever when I probably should have better boundaries. But by and large, I think if you can just remember that you want to walk away feeling proud of yourself, then that's a good guide. <laughs> nice one. I like that. And I like, I think, also the idea of um, sticking in it until you know what you really want to do rather than being spontaneous. And then sometimes that's even more unsettling for the young person. But it sounds like you got to a point where you're 100% sure about what you wanted to do and that you're a role model for your daughter because you've, um, you've created something 
that you're proud of and you've managed it in a way that you yeah can hold your head high and feel like it's it's the best thing for both of you so yeah I think that sounds like the ultimate with you know obviously it's very challenging for parents to make that decision and no one wants to have a negative impact on their on their child but yeah research shows that if there is ongoing conflict and parents are not happy then that's not the best environment for a young person so well done for just taking those steps and doing it in a way that sounds like it's worked out really really well. Thank you. Yeah. And that was really one of my biggest motivators was I just felt like a shell of a person. I remembered actually a friend of mine who I met through my coaching certification, we became very close and she was a little bit older than me, maybe, you know, 10 or 15 years older than me. And maybe even more than that. So she had lived some more life than I had. And she told, I remember like early on when I first met her, something she said stuck in my head, but she had just come back to New York where she was from, from living in upstate New York, which is, you know, vastly different. You know, it's just a different, it may as well be a different state. <laughs> she, um, she had gotten divorced and she came back to New York City and she said, Amanda, I was a shell of a woman. I didn't even recognize myself when she left her marriage. And I was, I was seeing that, you know, there was a reason why that stuck in my head when she said it to me, I did that coach training in 2011, maybe. And in 2014 was when I was, you know, recognizing that I needed to leave my relationship. And uh, so there was a reason why that stuck in my head. And I had, I realized that I just wasn't showing up as the person that I wanted to be in life. And that now I had this daughter who I needed to, I believed that I needed to make whatever change I needed to make in order to show up as the person that I wanted to, her to know. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I'm so grateful to you for sharing. Like it is, it's quite personal, but you're just doing it in a way that is really inspiring for other um, other people in similar situations. And we know that separation is really common, you know, like 51% of relationships in, in Australia end in divorce and separation, but it's not often talked about. And I just love that you bring such positivity to it. Um, so I really appreciate you doing that. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thank you. I just wondered now moving on, you talked a little bit about the transition between homes and we talked about, you know, parenting inconsistencies around YouTube or sweets at one house, but maybe not at the other. Can you tell me what your current, uh, your greatest parenting challenge is at the moment? So my greatest parenting challenge at the moment, I would say is, so this is something that's actually relevant, like right now today, as uh, in the last two days but I've noticed it as a a bit of a trend or characteristic. And so I I found um, these drawing tutorials on YouTube for kids. And it's a dad and a daughter. The daughter is seven. And uh, I don't know how old the videos are, but in the video, she's seven. And they sit side by side and he... Uh, with with a white pa- white piece of paper and a sharpie marker, and he guides her in doing these simple drawings, and they both create their drawings, and they uh, are teaching the kids to draw along the way. And so, 
we found, so we did one yesterday and it was a long day. My daughter had school and then she had gymnastics and then we were eating dinner and doing this drawing thing. And she just melted down like hardcore (laughs) because her drawing didn't look like theirs. And she's five. Like she doesn't have the dexterity. Like I know that you know, not to expect a, her drawing to look like this, you know, 35 year old dad's drawing <laughs> professional artist. Um, but she, she melted down and she gate, you know, she just was inconsolable and, and just didn't want to do it anymore. And then, you know, I tried to explain to her that, and they say in the video, everyone's drawing is going to look different that, you know, it's not better or worse. It's just different. And everyone has different abilities. And, you know, this is the first time, and I, you know, added to that explanation that this is the first time that she was trying it. And the only way to get better is to keep trying it. But she just was inconsolable. And then today, um, the same thing, she wanted to try it again. And the same thing happened. You know, I today was I guess I tried to be as patient as possible both times, but I don't have a high threshold for a quitting attitude. So I needed to kind of measure my response and be encouraging while also trying to instill in her this like we don't give up kind of uh, mantra. But I've noticed it in the past. So um, back over this during the summer, she, we were playing outside with a friend and we did this kind of like run to that corner, then run back and then run over and touch the bucket and then run back. And, and we set up this little, you know, obstacle course for them and it was getting to be time to leave. So it was going to be like the last time that we did it. And she just pooped out and wouldn't do it was again, like inconsolables kept saying like, she didn't do it right the last time. So she wasn't going to do it again. And I would try to tell her like, well, this is the last chance. And she just wouldn't do it. So, so I find it challenging to a find my own patience in these moments because of the melting down and the quitting B encourage her to try even though it may not be perfect and like how to even explain that that would be the c like how to i'm i am a communicator <laughs> in my job but i find it so challenging in my personal relationships and in my relationship with my daughter to find the right words mhm that's a good question. I think um, often it's not so much the words, but it's also in the modeling of the behavior. So, you know, the the two feelings that I get when you tell that story are frustration and how to help your five-year-old cope with frustration when things don't pan out as she wished. And also there's that element of frustration coming through in you in, in that she's making a lot of noise and she's not trying and it kind of pushes your buttons in that you feel like she's quitting so it feels like you're both uh, feeling frustrated at that point so I would um yeah try not to use too many words just to slow everything down and show her how you cope with frustration like it might be that you just walk away take some deep breaths uh, you know, have a laugh and say it's so hard isn't it it's so hard I know it is so hard you know just to kind of give her the words because when she's making all that noise and melting down, if she could just say, mom, it's just so hard. 
Like that would be a massive breakthrough because she's using her words rather than her body to express that same frustration. There are certain, um, I, I like to use visual resources in the clinic when I work. So instead of trying to explain to them what frustration might feel like, you know, using pictures. So there's um, a resource that Quirky Kid has produced called Face It, and it's 35 different feelings faces that they can, um, you can use. It's like a poster as well as some like beer coasters, thick kind of cardboard cards. And you can use it as a game where you match up the faces and put them on the poster. And as you put it down, say, that's how I felt yesterday when I couldn't untie that knot that was so frustrating you know so you're giving examples um while you're putting down the cards or you could just use it as a point chart and stick it on the fridge and at a time when she's not melting down and she's happy you know first thing in the morning you could be saying do you remember yesterday when we played that game at you know your auntie's house and touching the bucket oh I felt like this at the beginning and then I felt like this at the end how did you feel and hopefully she'll point to how she felt and go, hmm, okay, so she's kind of um, tuning into that feeling rather than closing down and saying, I don't want to talk about it. It's like you share how you feel, she shares how she feels, and then eventually try and get some words to match that face. And also you could draw it out. So if you wanted to um, do like little boxes, like before, during, and after, you could kind of, if she's open to it, come back to it and say, this is how I felt before you know when we're playing there's the bucket and then this is how I felt after when we went home and we were calm how did you feel in the middle what was going on there if she can't put it into words let's work out how we can take that piece out of the puzzle so we can do the fun times with the bucket game at the start and then going home feeling good and then work out how do we take that piece out of the middle because that wasn't a great piece we could walk away take a deep breath use our words and then you could even role play it for next time. So if I feel frustrated like that, I'm just going to say something like, ah, just give me a minute or I'll just, you know, put the T, the time out, kind of sign up using a nonverbal just to say, let's just pause here for a sec. And then we'll, you know, skip that bit and go into the good part that comes afterwards. That's amazing. That's fascinating. That sounds really useful. I'm glad that this is recorded so I can listen back. I did take some notes. I think it's very, um, yeah, this, so as I was describing the scenario, I was actually wondering to myself, like, is this significant enough? Like, is I really want to use my time with you as best as I can, Kimberly, <laughs> but it actually feels really important because, um, I know for myself, I struggled with frustration because I, I would cry. I would cry as a child and I never could pinpoint like why I was crying or, you know, and certainly I didn't realize that I was crying out of frustration until I was much older and I was always told just to stop crying. And so being able to um, identify the emotion, I think is something that I need to learn. I needed to learn and need to learn how to teach my daughter. Mm-hmm. I love it. I might call this episode something like struggling with frustration because I think it's so common for parents and kids to feel the same way. And sometimes it's just, it might feel like anger, but it's not anger. It's, um, it's triggered by usually that, that need for support. I just need some help right now. You know, where's the help when I need it? So being able to express that before it, you know, starts to escalate to frustration. And then when you become nonverbal and emotional, 
then you can't really ask for help. So if you can recognize it early, get what you need, and then come down from that feeling, um, yeah, everyone feels more in control. And that's usually where we feel safest when we're like in control of our emotions. Right. I love that. Right. I love Very that. helpful. I love Very talking helpful. to you, Amanda. I feel like it's this is just kind of the crux of the um, impressive podcast, talking to really accomplished individuals that are doing so well in so many areas who are also selflessly able to ask questions about how they can, you know, tweak these little parenting issues. Because I think sometimes talking to a psychologist is something parents like wait um, too long to do. They might get to a crisis point and then it takes longer to fix. So these little things are like what I love to kind of brainstorm. So thank you for asking. Oh, absolutely. This is gold. I so appreciate your insight. And I know this is going to help me on many levels because I do fear that my impatience has a negative effect on my relationship with my daughter and being able to go to some of these tools, I think will help us both just kind of move more easily through these challenging moments. Love it. Love it. So just lastly, before we wrap up, I wondered how you would like things to be. So if you had like a magic wand and you could just make things as as good as they can be with your five-year-old, how would it look on a daily and a weekly basis? Um, on a daily and a weekly basis, I see us as friends. I see us as compadres, as, as two, you know, people who have adventures together and do fun things together and have great conversations. Um, and, but I also see us with that healthy separation between friend and parent. I, 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 <laughs> I want to instill in her values that were instilled in me, like work ethic and integrity and, um, you know, and even things that I think I adapt, adopted later in life, like self-love and self-care and giving yourself what you need and self-acceptance. So, um, you know, I hope that I can be a great teacher as well as someone who allows her to be who she is. Mm -hmm. Sounds amazing. I really can't wait to meet your daughter at some point in the future. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Impressive. And thanks so much again to Amanda Berlin for being such a gracious guest. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you're welcome to join us in the Facebook group if you search up Impressive Podcast and let us know what you thought of this week's episode. Otherwise, you can also click subscribe and you'll find out about new episodes as they drop, usually on a Monday in Australia. It's been a pleasure talking to you again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, and this was Impressive. Impressive.